Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott joining you. I'm in New York City with the Oilers. Uh, the team practicing at Chelsea Pierce today coming off a 5-2 loss last night against New Jersey in a game which, frankly, I think was a little closer. I mean, Vitek Vanacek was selected first star in the game, made two or three great saves. But the Oilers gave away a couple goals, and that cost them ultimately in the game. Oilers now is brought to you by World of Spas, Edmonton's number one hot tub and swim spa dealer. They are ideal place to start your daily vacation. Keep texting us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line at 780-496-0063. Get the new floors you've always wanted. Ashley Fine Floors, 143rd Street, 111th Avenue, open Monday to Saturday. We're going to head off to the River Cree Resort and Casino hotline, the River Cree Resort and Casino excitement. Bet on it. And welcome back to the show. Uh, our Oilers now headliner today for Wilhock Beef Jerky. It is the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhock, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. Uh, we get texts all the time about what a unique perspective Brian Lawton is a former NHL GM brought us on a weekly basis and we hook up with Brian. Uh, pleased to have him back on the show. Brian, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Bob, how are you? I'll be frank, I'm a little disappointed. You know, the team's sitting at 10 and 9, and I believe it was you that said you don't make the playoffs in the first 20 games or before U.S. Thanksgiving, but you can you can uh, miss the playoffs as a result of your first 20 games. I don't think Edmonton's in that position where they're missing the playoffs, but I was hoping that the Oilers would be able to build along, you know, their their playoff run last year and a good second half under Jay Woodcroft where the team had a 724 winning percentage. That's my perspective. I'd like to get your thoughts now that Edmonton's basically a quarter of a way through their season. Yeah, they haven't missed the playoffs in this first quarter, that's for sure. They haven't put themselves out of it. But, you know, as you look today, with St. Louis really coming on and writing their game after a very slow first 10 games, seven and three in their last uh, 10, essentially. Um, it's going to be a dogfight right now. You would put Edmonton in a category with Calgary and Nashville and Minnesota. Uh, fortunately, Vancouver's been down. And, you know, if Seattle could ever hold on to their position, which I'm not sure Seattle and L.A. is as rock solid, it would get a little eerie for the Edmonton Oilers, but I think it's way too early for that. Um, but there is some analysis, in my opinion, on the Oilers as to you know what hasn't gone right, why 
have they started the way they have. They've had a couple of good stretches, but overall it's been pretty blah is probably the, the best way to describe it with a backdrop, of course, of uh, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl kind of doing exactly what you'd think. Ryan Nugent Hopkins playing well. Hyman played well. Uh, when I add all that up, I'd have to say I'm surprised that they are where they are. All right. So what do you think has undermined the Oilers' success? You know, and when I mean success, the expectation is this would be a team that would be fighting for, you know, a Pacific Division top spot. That has not occurred as of yet. They've beaten some good teams. You know, Florida led the league in the NHL standings last year. They hadn't lost at home. Edmonton won in Florida. The Oilers won in Tampa Bay for the first time in 13 seasons. They, you know, they, they battled and beat Vegas, who are 8-1 on the road, but they haven't been able to sustain it what do you see as the key factors that sort of undermine the actual team success to this point well some of the things that you and i have talked about quite frankly um looked a little bit disorganized at times early in the year defensively structurally that surprised me because i thought they looked so great last year some of the performances from some of the young guys, which in the salary cap world you're really counting on to leap forward, have actually gone the wrong direction from where they were at last year. And that's probably been the biggest surprise. Uh, I'm a huge Evan Bouchard fan. I have been in Edmonton when he was, you know, barely playing at all. I thought he made huge strides last year, and he hasn't got back to that level yet. So I think that's really hurt them. I don't think McLeod has played up to what I expected for him this year after the season he had. Uh, and then you can just kind of keep on going. Yamamoto obviously been injured, um, but without a goal at this stage, even through 12, 13 games, that's a shocker to me. So uh, when you add it all up, it is perplexing, but at the same time, they haven't put themselves out of the playoffs. They have a team that's capable, as you pointed out, of beating anybody. But they haven't looked like that confident group we saw last year to me as a team on a nightly basis. So full disclosure, Brian, you had a, you know, you're, Dave Tippett's a real good friend of yours. And you, you were the one that told us before anybody else that Dave Tippett was keeping on Dave Tippett as next coach of the Edmonton Oilers when Ken Holland took over. Uh, Mike Smith and Duncan Keefe experienced guys they did it in different ways mike would be a little bit more demonstrative uh keith a little bit more subtle has has their you know injury in the case of smith ltir retirement in keith has that turned out to be a bigger absence than maybe we thought it might be i think it has in terms of the attitude of the club in terms of the performance, you know, they both played well at times. And as a GM, you can always kind of look and say, you know, okay, those guys were kind of on the back nine. I can replace that. It's the leadership that gets really iffy. And to a guy like Ken Holland, who puts a lot of stock in that as he should, you know, that had to be discomforting when he sits down with his group and he says, where are we at? And uh, he gives feedback. I think he'll say, you know, we've lost a little bit of leadership and we haven't been able to replace it and until maybe they could get to work on that until the young guys could increase their performance 
uh, I think they continue to move kind of sideways. Yeah. And that's going to be a little frustrating because, you know, they've got the great seasons going on. So, with well, and that's, their two big I mean, that's part, again. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Brian Lawton joining us, uh, former GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning, started Octagon's player agency. And you mentioned the young guys. So we got a couple guys in Bouchard and McLeod, and those guys are tight. They're both playing for contracts. McLeod basically did the Oilers a solid. He took less than his qualifying offer, like to to the point that at seven hundred ninety eight thousand dollars, instead of taking. Eight, eight or eight hundred thousand that helped the Oilers. Every two thousand helped Edmonton on that deal, and I wonder. Um, I'm thinking Resnick represents uh, McLeod. I know that uh, Jeff Jackson's got Bouchard, who obviously has Connor McDavid as well. Is there any advice like when you were with Octagon? It was and. You know, is there an advice, an advice an agent can give a player in that situation? When because I think you know McLeod had a good three or four game stretch, but he's kind of dropped off, and Bouchard hasn't come close to where he. And, and I'll even take this one step further. Pulleyarvi's playing for a contract; he's a restricted free agent. Uh, I believe you said he scores by happenstance last year, or somebody had told you that. Uh, and then we have Yamamoto, who got a two-year deal. I mean, it's just like to see all four of those guys, 22 to 24, not really gain any traction. And I, can you worry too much about money as a player? Does it just sometimes happen where it's harder than you think? And what sort of role can an agency play in assisting and facilitating the player to get his game at a higher level? I think the best thing you can do is really educate the kids where they're at. That's what's kind of so shocking to me. You know, Evan Bouchard still in his entry-level system. Uh, he's playing for a contract, and it's huge dollars at stake now for players sooner than ever before. For a guy like him that had the season that he had last year, there is a tremendous amount at stake. Um, you know, can that wear on guys, you know, differently? Yes, it does. You have to know your player, but the best advice Jeff could have given to him was you need to have the biggest summer of your life and go in there and rip it up and if you play well you're probably going to sign a five to eight year contract and then you can do away with a lot of players consider a burden which is always worrying about are you going to get paid to be in this sport you put that aside and now you can focus in my opinion to another level of just being the best player you could be on the ice and the best teammate you could be um but i have seen it go sideways for a lot of guys it weighs on their mind they think about it more than you think it's not always the the kids or the players with the personalities that you think they should handle it well you just never know i have no idea if that's going on with evan but i would have thought that he'd been shot out of a canyon start this year not as well start Brian Lawton joining us. Brian, for me, what's interesting is last year when Woodcroft and Manson took over, the only young guy that didn't really gain any attraction under that was Pulley Like, Pulley had 23 points in the first 28 games last year, got COVID, suffered a lower body injury, and stagnated down the stretch. Uh, but when you looked at you know, Bouchard, they cut his minutes down, but he played better because he was with Keith. He looked at McLeod, they increased his minutes by three minutes per game, and he took a big step forward. And Yamamoto got going again, ended up hitting 20 goals. So when I only see one young guy struggle, I think to myself, that's on the young guy. 
But when I see a host of young guys, that concerns me. I'm not saying it's all on the coach. The player is ultimately, I don't know, 75, 80% responsible for, but even Holloway. Like Holloway has become almost a non, to the point where it almost looks like, you know, the coach is sending the GM a message here at times, like this guy needs to go back to the minors. And he very well might. And that's the coach's prerogative because his currency is uh, ice time. Your thoughts on that perspective, that it's it's been none of the younger guys that the Oilers were hoping would impact things? Yeah, you know what? It, it's surprising. So when you're going through these stretches, whether it's 5, 10, 15, or 20 games, it can really speak up on you. And the media is not as ignorant as a lot of people might think. Okay? Some of the things we're talking about in the media – you know, they can be, they can sneak up on you when you're coaching a team. But what generally happens when you get to a mark like this is the coaches will get together, they'll take stock in what's transpired, and they should come to the conclusion that I don't know why these guys aren't where they're at. We need to figure it out. We need to help these guys get back to where they were. A lot of the coaching used to be about screw that guy, he can't get to where he needs to be, so he's out. Well, teams aren't as deep as they used to be. There's not four guys waiting behind every position to come up. You've got to get the people that you have in your organization, on your team that you know are most ready. You've got to create ways to put them in positions to succeed, and sometimes it takes longer than you want to. But I I guarantee you right now the coaches are meeting and saying, what is going on with our younger players? We need these guys. Hockey is not basketball. We can have the two two of the top players in the league, and we still won't win anything if we don't get the rest of the squad engaged. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's happening. I, I've seen it many, many times. Evander Kane is out three to four months. It was a scary incident, Brian. Do the Edmonton owners need to... He brought physicality in their top six and attitude. I'm not saying you can get a top six guy like that, especially since the hope is that Kane could return. But do you think the Oilers could use a little bit more physicality and size in their lineup up front? It certainly has looked to me like a pretty loud message that Evander Kane, uh, for all the issues he's had, for all the complaints people maybe have had about him, He's been a model citizen there, and I think he's really important to their club, to be honest with you. And I think they they miss that presence. Can you go out and find that guy long-term in the salary cap world? Pretty darn hard. You're accruing extra space, but he's going to be back at some point, and it would cost the – the Edmonton Oilers, in my opinion, already got a free ride on Evander Kane. He, he couldn't have come any cheaper than he did to the Edmonton Oilers. That just worked out beautiful for the organization. It has worked out beautiful for Evander. It was a perfect fit in the end. Probably wasn't the obvious one in terms of Evander Kane could go anywhere he wanted, and yet Edmonton has been a wonderful home for him, and he's really excelled and been a model citizen. But, yes, they have to find a way – to replace that element in their lineup if they want to get back to where they were. And unfortunately, they have to do it most likely in a way that it's only short-term, which is the most difficult thing to do. All right, so let's just say we're, we're looking at adding a little bit of size. Would you have any issue 
putting two players together who, frankly, did not have a pleasant history with one another. And we're going to circle back to Evander Kane, and that player is Ryan Reeves. He's not playing for the New York Rangers right now. And I know what people are going to say. Well, if he can't play for the Rangers, Stoffer, why in the hell would the Oilers want him? But, you know, one man's junk is another man's treasure. Uh, that said, Kane and uh, Reeves have had some nasty battles over the years. Is that something that could be facilitated by an, an agency to, to smooth or calm something over? Or do players just let bygones be bygones in those situations and now we're on the same team together? What do you think of that? Um, I think unless it was something that was just so dirty or incomprehensible, let bygones be bygones. If Andrew Cade would rather have him on his team than have to battle him, and probably vice versa, although you know, Ryan Reeves gets a lot of extra play out of irritating players that are generally considered you know, more regular players than him. But he would be a guy absolutely worth looking at. He's, you know, Ryan's 35 years old now. He's got a year left on his deal. The money's not so obtrusive. It's something that you could potentially make work. But that is what you're looking at. And uh, I just think he's an instant energy and bring a team together guy. So I think he would be a potential very good fit. It doesn't look like it's going to work out for him in New York as they build their depth. He's been the odd man out far too many times for his liking this year. So you never know. It's just a matter of what you're willing to pay. You're probably going to pay an extreme premium to get him right now, to be honest with you. But I do think he's a guy that could be had at the right time for a reasonable price. We just had Frank Cervalli on, Brian, and we were talking about which general manager had the most pressure. And he says it's Kyle Dubas, and he's factored in, obviously, the news today on Morgan Riley with the fact that uh, Muzzin and Brody are down as well. Would you concur with the thoughts that, uh, you know, there's great expectations in Toronto, just like there are in Edmonton, and the Leafs are down the three most experienced and also, in the case of Riley, their best defenseman? I would absolutely agree with that. I mean, they were under all kinds of pressure not that long ago. You know, they've been on a six, one, and three stretch, which has turned their season around. Uh, I did a bunch of interviews at that time, and to be honest with you, I was like, look, the Leafs are a good team. They'll definitely make the playoffs. They'll be in the top three in the Atlantic. They just have too many quality players not to. The issue is, particularly at that time, my conclusion was, but they're not going anywhere with that D in the playoffs. And is another first-round exit possible? Yes, it's probably likely. Uh, they have acquitted themselves nicely in the last 10, but they are under massive pressure with where their D is at right now. It is their Achilles heel, and uh, they don't have a lot of flexibility like a lot of other clubs, so they are in a really tough spot. They have a management team that has been... You know, under pressure, they've had a chance to rework this team in their own best division, and they just haven't got it done in the playoffs. So, yes, absolutely. I can't think of anybody else, particularly because of the interest in the team in the city, that's under more pressure. Final one for you, Brian. New Jersey Devils. The shot metrics would tell you they are for real. 13 straight wins. It's, pretty, it's crazy because less than two years ago, they lost 10 in a row. Small, fast, quick team. Will it get harder for them as the season goes on? 
and you tend to play bigger hockey, or are they for real? I believe it will get significantly harder for them once they lose their first game. I do think that they will be in the playoffs, but I would still not say they've played 19 games, I believe, at this point. So almost a quarter mark. But I do not believe they're a guarantee to be in the playoffs. And that may sound absurd. They won 13 games in a row, as you just mentioned. But uh, they still got a long way to go. Some of the teams, particularly in the Metro, have played poorly. Uh, they've taken advantage of that. I like their depth. I don't like their size. But that doesn't mean that you can't make the playoffs with a smaller team. So we'll see. I'm not, I, I'm not, I think they've had a wonderful start. They deserve a ton of credit. I'm not certain uh, they're anywhere near as good as their record is right now. Oilers were 16 and 5 last year, as you know, under Dave Tippett. And we had a guy named Stoney calling us saying that they needed to fire Dave immediately. The five on five play was going to, uh, they were going to have a come to Jesus moment with their five on five player and they would be exposed. A lot of people will tell you what New Jersey's done has been far more sustainable five on five wise. Uh, Brian, gr thank you for making time and joining us uh, every six weeks or so. It's great to hear from you again. Love to be on the show, Bob. Thanks. You bet. That is Brian Lawton, former GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning, and he headed up Octagon's player agency. Hey, man, he knows. It's 125. We'll take a timeout. This is Oilers Now. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's great hearing from Brian Lott. I always like the perspective of managers or former managers in the league at uh, 128 in Edmonton. Brendan, do you know who the first manager was that I interviewed? Other than uh, Glenn Sather, back in the day, or Kevin Lowe, we're about to play him. Oh, Lou Lamorello. When he was with New Jersey in the 95, 96, no, it would have been 96, 97 season. The uh, U.S. had won the World Cup, and New Jersey was in fairly early in the season, and Lou was kind enough. I used to, it was actually for 630 Chet. Dave Jamison was a program director at Chorus, or at Chet at that time. It wasn't even Chorus, it was Wick. And he had me do an interview segment that was called On the Tape that ran in-house, and Lou Lamarillo was the first uh, general manager that I ever interviewed for that. Ah, still upset they beat Canada back in 96, those Americans. Japanese Village is Edmonton's favorite Japanese steakhouse. Reserve your party today at jvedmonton.ca to the Oilers Injury Report brought to you all season long by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. It's this simple. James H. Brown, Trent Brown, Jim Brown, the gang of James H. Brown, they're the best. They get you the best results. It's just the way it is. I think Trent was hoping for better results out of the Golden Bear football team in the Edmonton Elks this year. Trent, of course, winner of a great cup back in 1993. Jack Campbell skated today. I was on the ice after taking a puck off the nose off a crazy deflection at the Oilers bench. There's a chance we might see him tomorrow against the Islanders. Meanwhile, Kato Yamamoto back in Edmonton uh, dealing with an upper body issue. And Evander Kane, as we know, is out three to four months.
We will head off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bellow when we come back on Oilers Now, Edmonton Oil Kings GM Kurt Hill.